Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown and beyond. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! Hey, now. What's going on? Jason Hammer. That's my name. Big Nige is out, which means Jerry Lopez, Indie Spanglish on social media. He is filling in today. And Jerry, we have got action at the Supreme Court. Interesting little verbal back and forth today between a number of the justices and the state of Colorado. Now, Colorado has said that Donald Trump will not be on their primary ballot because he was the instigator of an insurrection. Now you've been kind of following this all day. What have you seen? Yes, yeah, so this is this is a big day. We've been I've been looking forward to this day for a while because it's going to set precedent for the rest of the primary season. Uh, right now, they're hearing does Colorado have the right to take him off under the Fourteenth Amendment? I believe the insurrectionist uh, post Civil War rule. Um, so they're th- going back to the Civil War days. That's what this whole thing's based off of. Were you an insurrectionist? Insurrectionist? If yes, you cannot serve in 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 the federal aspect of of uh, politics. If he fails to make the ballot, if they come out and say, no, Colorado has the right to take him off, Nikki Haley, is. this is a dream situation for Nikki Haley. This, this is, is why she's sticking around. This is her Super Bowl. This is her Super Bowl. Well, if this is her Super Bowl, it feels like many of the Super Bowls that I watched growing up in my life, blowouts. Because if you're around my age, I'm 46 years old. I swear, from like 1990 until like 2005, every Super Bowl was a blowout, it felt like. Only in recent years uh, does it feel like we've got decent games. The Supreme Court justices today were teeing off on this little worm that Colorado brought to the Supreme Court to make the case as to why Donald Trump should be removed from the ballot. So let's start with Brett Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh hitting the lead attorney for Colorado, Jason Murray, a younger guy that really, he's got that look on his face like when a 16 seed in March Madness steps on the court and they realize they're going up against Kansas or they're going up (laughs) against, you know, Kentucky or Duke. They're a little starstruck. This was a young kid. I call him a kid. He's a grown man, but he's a younger dude. That was in way over his head. Listen here as Brett Kavanaugh kind of tees off on him. Some of the rhetoric of your position, I don't think it is your position, but some of the rhetoric of your position seems to suggest unless the states can do this, no one can prevent insurrectionists from holding federal office. But obviously Congress has enacted statutes, uh, including one still in effect, Section 2383 of Title 18 prohibits insurrection. It's a federal criminal statute. And if you're convicted of that, you are, it says, shall be disqualified from holding any office. And so there is a federal statute on the books, but um, President Trump has not been charged with that. That's the thing. That's the kicker. 
I mean, that's really ball game. Like, we can sit here and analyze this and analyze that. But at the end of the day, what the Cliff's Notes version of what this about, what this is about, is he hasn't been charged with anything. Let alone found guilty. Right. Let alone found guilty, right? This is if you're found guilty, then then you can't run. He hasn't even been charged yet. Charged with insurrection, yeah. which is why they're trying to keep him off the ballot. So that was Brett Kavanaugh. Meanwhile, Justice Gorsuch, he also took this young attorney to the shed. Take a listen. He speaks about disqualification from holding office. You say he is disqualified from holding office from the moment it happens. Correct, but nevertheless— So, so it, it operates, you say, that there's no, no legislation necessary. I thought that was the whole theory of your case, and no procedure necessary. It happens automatically. Well, certainly you need a procedure in order to have any remedy to enforce the disqualification, which is I under, That's a whole separate question. That's the de facto doctrine. doesn't work here. Okay, put that aside. <laughs> He's disqualified from the moment. Self-executing. Done. And I would think that a person who would receive a direction from that person, the president, former president, in your view, would be free to act as he or she wishes without regard to that individual. I don't think so, because I think, again, the de facto officer doctrine would nevertheless come into play to say this is— No, de facto, that that doesn't work, Mr. Murray, because de facto officer is to ratify the conduct that's done afterwards and and, and insulate it from judicial review. Put that aside. I'm not going to say it again. Put it aside. Murray trying to pull these tricks that might work on a lower circuit judge or a local judge isn't going to fly at the Supreme Court. Yeah, this feels like uh, you watch a baseball game and like the other team puts up Verlander. So you just throw out your eighth best pitcher because you're going to lose anyway. Right. He's way out of his way out of his league on this. And imagine him. He's he can't be 35. I mean, he doesn't look 35. I don't know how old he is, but here you are in front of the Supreme Court trying to get President Trump taken off the ballot. This is a big deal. And trying to pull some stuff and just hoping that it works. And you heard Kavanaugh. You heard Gorsuch. They're not falling for this. Here's a little bit more of uh, Gorsuch going Ivan Drago compared to Murray's Apollo Creed. On your theory, would anything compel a, a lower official to obey an order from, in your view, the former president. I'm imagining a situation where, for example, a former president was, you know, a president was elected and they were 25 and they were ineligible to no, hold office, but no, nevertheless they were no, put into that No, office. we're talking about Section 3. <laughs> please don't change the hypothetical, okay? I'm, please don't change the hypothetical. I know I like doing it too, but please don't do it. Okay? Well, now, the, the point I'm trying to make is He's that, disqualified from the moment he committed an insurrection. Whoever it is, whichever party, it, it, that, that happens. Boom. It happened. What would compel, and I'm not going to say it again, so just try and answer the question. If you don't have an answer, <laughs> fair enough, we'll move on. What would compel a lower official to obey an order from that individual? Jerry, it just sounds to me like the Supreme Court's, they're ticked off just to be there. Like, they're upset they actually have to listen to this nonsense. You know what this reminds me of? When the school calls you about your kid, and you're talking to your son. Right. Buddy, where was your homework? Well, you know... We're talking about your homework. He's, well, get, he's getting let's treated Let's just like say a kid. that the dog it. No, don't change the hypothetical. Yeah, yeah. No, the dog didn't eat it. Where's it at? So, again, we don't know how long this is going to take. Today was just the oral arguments, but you can kind of see the writing on the wall here. 
This thing has no legs to stand on. And we all knew the Supreme Court would probably overturn it. The question is, will it be unanimous? Will that Weasel Roberts do the right thing? Will Kentanji Brown Jackson, or as Joe Biden says, Kajar Kajar Katanji <laughs> Drown Jackson, do the right thing? Because this should be unanimous. I mean, by the letter of the law, he was not convicted of insurrection, nor That's charged. It. That's the end of the ballgame. Right. That's it. Not convicted, not charged. Letter of the law. What are we doing here? Here is Donald Trump reacting to the oral arguments earlier today. In watching the Supreme Court today, I thought it was very, it's a very beautiful process. I hope that democracy in this country will continue, uh, because right now we have a very, very tough situation with all of the radical left ideas, with the weaponization of uh, politics. They weaponized it like it's never been weaponized before. It's totally illegal, but they do it anyway, and it has to stop. It's election interference, and it's really very sad. Uh, I thought the presentation today was a very good one. I think it was well-received. I hope it was well-received. You have millions of people that are out there wanting to vote, and they happen to want to vote for me or the Republican Party, whatever you want to, however you want to phrase it. But I'm the one running, and we are leading in every poll. That's Donald Trump speaking about the oral arguments at the Supreme Court today. So while that was happening in regards to Donald Trump, the special counsel, they've come out. And I know this is a shocker, Jerry. Make sure you're sitting down here. They've declined to prosecute Joe Biden on the classified documents. I mean, yeah, big surprise there, right? <laughs> Huge surprise there. I mean, look, I, I live in Carmel. They didn't. They went to Mike Pence's house and took out a bunch of stuff from his crib. Like, they, Obama. This is this. I'm not saying that Trump should have had that stuff. He should not have had the classified material, whatever you want to call it. But every president should be found guilty the exact same way for the exact same reason. Either all guilty or all, or all innocent. innocent. Yeah. There needs to be consistency here because I'm finding it odd that, you know, they can go through Melania's panty drawer and find things and then say, well, look at all these classified documents. Meanwhile, Joe Biden's stuff was in the garage. The garage was open and a crackhead (laughs) felon had access to go back and forth all the time. Like how many shady characters did Hunter bring through the house, which, oh, by the way, don't pay attention to the mountain of classified documents that are in the corner next to the bitchin' Corvette. He said, can I get two grams of crack and that classified documentation, please? Right. They wrapped up the crack (laughs) in a classified document. Uh, Bringing it a little closer to home, the Indiana Supreme Court. If you remember, uh, last week, I believe it was, they had a ruling that said that the original attorneys in the Delphi case, the defense for Richard Allen, the original attorneys could go back to his defense team. Today, they put out their reasoning why. Uh, The Indiana Supreme Court issued its formal written opinion. This was, I guess, a couple weeks ago, now that I think about it, about two or three weeks ago, reinstating Richard Allen's original defense team. Uh, the court's opinion found that Judge Gull failed to prove removal of those attorneys was a last resort that was necessary. So they said, all right, we're going to let these guys go back onto the defense team. I mean, can we just get the show on the road? Can we just get the trial started? Can we get something going? Can we get justice for these two girls? Anything at this point? Because this just all feels like semantics. It's a circus. But this is what the defense team wanted, though. They wanted to create that 
crazy O.J. Simpson-like trial chaos because that's better for their client. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And now, time to play Barry. Hey, OJ, any stabbings at the family reunion? Gary, Gary, it was Gary on a Hammer and Nigel show. You'd never succeed in this business until you've had the experience of working with a terrible hangover. Harry Carey with some very true words there. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. I'm Jason Hammer. Jerry Lopez filling in for Big Nige. We were talking during the commercial break. I'm a Barry Manilow fan. I think you may be a Barry Manilow fan. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I, I like that old music, man. Feel I'm, good. I'm with you. I'm with you. Let's see if caller number nine, Chris, is a Barry Manilow fan. Chris, you like the Manilow? Absolutely. Awesome. Well, we're going to try to give you a chance to win some tickets here. We're going to play a little game called Barry, Harry, or Terry, and this is how it works. I'm going to give you a piece of information. It will either be a piece of information that's relevant to Barry Manilow, Cubs broadcaster, the late, great Harry Carey, or the first lady of WIBC, Terry Stacy. You get two out of three. I'm going to give you the tickets, okay? Awesome. All right. Number one, Barry, Harry, or Terry did a magazine cover for Indianapolis Monthly where it looked like she was naked in a bathtub. <laughs> We're going to go with uh, Terry. Yes, that is correct. And thank God it wasn't Harry. Let me just say that. All right. One down. We just got to get one more. Barry, Harry, or Terry once did a broadcast shirtless while sitting in the bleachers and drinking Budweiser. We'll go with... Uh... Harry. Harry's correct. Like we made it. I'd be a little out of character for Barry Manilow to pull that off, but who knows? Uh, Chris, congratulations. You got the tickets. You're going to go see Barry Manilow, Pacer Sports and Entertainment, and Outback presenting Barry Manilow at the Gamebridge Fieldhouse, July 26th. Stay on the line, and Allison will take care of you. All right. Thank you. You got it. Jerry, you sent me a story today about former President Warren G. Harding and how he was kind of a freak. Hey, one of my favorite presidents now. Like, I got to be honest, when I woke up today, you know, I thought we'd be talking about the Supreme Court stuff or maybe some drama going on, you know, in Marion County with crime and potholes. Warren G. Harding being a freak was not on my uh, list of things to look out for. No, 2024 has been, look, Fetterman, Warren G. Harding, right? There's a lot of things that are happening this year that I did not expect at all. This, this is right there near the top. So some letters have been released from former President Warren G. Harding to his mistress. And we're talking about some... Some interesting, classy talk, but we're also talking about nicknaming genitals. <laughs> so, if you wouldn't mind, uh, Jerry, scroll down here, read a little bit of this first letter written in January 1912 from Warren G. Harding to one of his mistresses. And this is our president. Yes. Right, this is our president. I love your poise of perfect thighs when they hold me in paradise. <laughs> I love the rose. Your garden grows. Uh-oh. Love seashell pink. 
that over it glows. I love to suck your breath away. Woo! I love to cling there long to stay. I loved you garbed, but naked more. Man, Warren G. Harding. Hey. Now, that was like a poetic type of love letter almost. Now, some of the letters that have been released, not quite poetic. There was one letter where he talks about having relations with a woman named Carrie in Montreal on New Year's Eve. And they're doing the hibbity-dibbity as the clock hits midnight. And it sounds like, per the letter, Warren G. Harding nicknamed his crank Jerry, and he nicknamed Carrie's lady parts Mrs. Powderson. That's a great name. (laughs) That's a great name. I think in response, you should name yours Warren. Maybe that's what, hey, listen, in the words of another Warren G, regulators mount up. Mount up. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. The Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Jerry Lopez at Indie Spanglish on social media, filling in for Big Nights today. And joining us in studio, a man who has ran for the mayor's office of Indianapolis, a man very connected to uh, Republican politics in Marion County, and the host of the Mouthwash Show. You can find uh, John Schmitz joins us. John, how are you? I'm doing spectacular. So I want to talk about Marion County. Tell me if I'm right. Tell me if I'm wrong, because I think you're more of an optimist than I am. (laughs) When Ryan Mears beat Cindy Carrasco for the prosecutor's race by a score of around 60 percent to 40 percent. At that point, I thought Indianapolis was done. There is no way a Republican could ever win a major citywide race in Indianapolis again. Because I thought Cindy Carrasco was a really good candidate, and Ryan Mears may be worse than Boss Hogsett. Tell me why I should change my mind, or am I right? Uh, you At this particular juncture, you are correct. I mean, you think about it. We fast forward. Jefferson Shreve spends $14 million and gets 60 to 40. So I think it's pretty clear that there is 60% Democrats voting and 40% Republicans voting. Maybe you want to know how to turn that around. So so let's get into that, because those two guys that we've mentioned were very vulnerable candidates, right? Boss Hogsett went missing during the riots. A lot of chatter, a lot of hearsay. He may or may not have been at rehab, allegedly. And Ryan Mears is worse than this guy. He's a total zero. He doesn't even want to be the prosecutor. He wants to keep moving up that ladder here in Indianapolis. So what can Republicans do? What's your response? How are you trying to help the problem here? All right. So we're actively getting precinct committee men. And what a precinct committee man in the good old days would used to go out to the precinct, work the polls. But now we have vote anywhere, anytime, pretty much. And that that job sort of faded out. So it's become more of a voting position. And what has happened uh, over the past years is that we don't have people running for precinct committee men. So what happens is the state comes in and they appoint their people to where they want to go, and then they appoint somebody from the state to come in and run Marion County. They say they want grassroots, but we don't have any grassroots. These people are not grassroots people. So I I ask myself, is this a control of that part of the party, or do they really care about Marion County? 
Now, we we uh, we discussed this when Jefferson Shreve ran. Uh, that two A thing was huge for Hammer, and and we kind of we kind of said he had to do that because even if he had all the R's vote for him, you're still going to lose sixty forty. So he had to kind of extend the olive branch to try to bring over some of those disgruntled D's, right? Is there anything further that we can do to to help Marion County wake up? Because it seems to me like the the murders are already on record for the year. We're coming up. Uh, catch and release, low bail, reoffenders on the road. What what can we do to finally stand up and take our city back? Well, I think people are really getting tired of seeing red, and they need to start voting red. But don't just go somewhere else until you have something better to go to. And so far, I'm going to tell on my own party here, they don't have something better to go to in Marion County. But you look at the uh, the, the amount of voters since 2018 to 2022, it's 80,000 less. So... I don't think that many people have moved out. And obviously, Democrats, Republicans, we don't know what that is. But, uh, you know, they just don't vote. So we have to get energized voters. We have to get 60 percent. I mean, really, we only have to get 50 percent. But we need to get people involved. Do Republicans, and this is not just an Indianapolis issue, but this is kind of a national issue. Do they have to play the game better? And when I say the game, I'm talking about all the ways to vote, mail-in ballots, the places that allow ballot harvesting. The Republicans, they have the same rules of engagement here, but they don't play the game. No, and and you know when I I've, I've only been in politics for about six years. And I sort of got into it because I had to deal with the city, and I'm like one of those guys. I'm a really good complainer, but I really feel like we need to do something. But that's awesome. You got you yeah. know fed up with the city, so yeah. you decided I, to say I, screw I, it. I, I'm going to run for an office. And, and now that I have a bloody forehead from beating my head against a wall, it's uh, <laughs> you know it, uh, it, it you know we have to get people involved in this. You know the project that we're doing now, getting elected PCs from. Marion County, because we want Marion County to look like the people in Marion County, not the roads or the stuff that Jerry mentions. But we want we want people from Marion County. The party says they want grassroots, but I don't even see any grass. So, right. And one of the things that drives me nuts and Jerry, I know this is something that's close to you. When you see a race take place locally and there's no Republican nominee, because that's how you end up with the socialist on the city county council. Definitely. And, and to that point, when when you see it, you know, I love Cindy Carrasco, but if Cindy Carrasco could not beat Ryan Mears, what does that say about the city? Right. That's a huge problem. Boss Hogg said same thing. And Jefferson Shreve even tried to come after guns and still got wiped on the floor. What does that say? But but let the election come up and we got bootleg putt putt. I don't know. The All-Star Game, they're out here repaving all the bricks. Right. It's funny how we're about a week away from the All-Star Game, and now all of a sudden these potholes are starting to get filled up. Yeah. They don't don't care about us. They want to care about what it looks like. Yeah. They tell us what sounds good and uh you know you just look at the roads right now driving around and it's it's rough it gets rough this time every year my question is why don't we sort sort of patch and reseal a lot of these roads when it's time to do it when it's warm out as somebody who's been iraq twice just drive up and down some of these roads and it looks <laughs> it, they look like iraqi streets right right and we've heard that from more than one it person it really does i'm not gonna lie some of these potholes are so big i could get inside them <laughs> uh john schmitz is our guest uh he is the host of the mouthwash show where can we find that show at by the way yeah we're on uh we we do live stream tuesday nights at 9 p.m and we're on facebook twitter youtube and even linkedin now i don't know how the business community is going to you know, get through this. Oh, there's no more 
uptight, stuffier people than the folks that are on LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm just telling you that right now. So my friends on there, but you know, so this this Tuesday at nine live, we have my lovely wife is going to host the show, and we have a relationship counselor coming on, and we have an all female. We got Dana Black, Democrat, okay. and we have Lucy Brenton. So you cover a number of yeah, different we, things featuring will, politicians yeah. around Central Indy, but bringing it back to how Republicans can at least compete in Marion County, specifically a very dark blue Indianapolis. What's been the response that you've received from trying to get people active and trying to get people involved? And when you try to tell them, hey, look at some of these guys that are elected, they're zeros. What kind of pushback have you gotten? Uh, I've gotten a whole lot of pushback. Uh, You know, in fact, I I talked to uh, Ken Johnson, former uh, chaplain of the Colts for like 30 years, was here when they won the Super Bowl. He's not been in politics. I tell him, I say, hey, you got to get involved. And he's going to do it. We, We have people that have never been in politics. And to get into politics, precinct committee man is the lowest level. It's not a lot of work. You can do as much as you want, but you got to sign up and you got to run for it. And, and it's, it's not a full-time job. No, like your even. full-time job will not suffer no. if you decide to take on one of these community uh, type of deals. Here. No, it's your your precinct. Or there's uh, what 400 square miles, and we have 621 precincts. So you're not talking about a big area. So my point being is, we need to get back to the basics. We need to, you know, for example, Wayne Township, 85 precincts. We got five elected. Pre- and two of those are moved out. I think I may be one of the only ones left that's elected. So I've gone out, knocked on doors. We have at least 20 that are going to run. But what happens is the state can still appoint in those vacant spots. And so we really have to get people involved that way from the bottom up. And then we can start doing some ground game. That's why the Democrats get 60%. They have a ground game. They go to the churches. They take buses. They take them to vote. They say vote. They try to shake down people when you go to vote, and I've seen that firsthand. Oh, yeah. Has the election board got back all with you on that one? So, oh, yeah. They totally got back with me. And again, this was when uh, Jared Evans was running against your wife, and I went to go vote for your wife, and I go up to the polling center, and some big sloppy, just <laughs> jag-off, some goon that Jared Evans has out there with, like, st- Stains all over his shirt and looks like he hadn't slept in four days. Starts getting mouthy at me and my son, dropping F-bombs and doing all types of things. So instead of punching him in the mouth, because I think that's what he wanted me to do and getting me in trouble here... I did, I think, what I was supposed to do and filed the complaint with the election board. And they basically just sent me back a picture of their butt cheeks. I mean, <laughs> so, so John, if somebody's well, if somebody's listening right now and they and because the, the, the last day to file was coming up, if I'm yeah, not correct, noon, right? Noon tomorrow. Noon, noon tomorrow. tomorrow. So if somebody's driver right now and they go, you know what? I want to go ahead and sign up to uh, run to be a precinct committeeman. What, what would be the yeah, steps to take? Yeah, well, in my mortar stained hands, I have actually a. A ballot, I mean, a uh, can 37. It's what you fill out to do that. So we're going to have our Mars Hill Art Center open tonight from 6 to 9. We're going to have a notary there. We'll have a printer there. You just come by. Look us up, 2811 Mars Hill Street, and we'll take your uh, you know, we'll take your stuff down tomorrow and file it for you. So what I just got to show up, fill you out the form. Up, fill it out the form and uh, get involved. And we've had tremendous, we've signed up over 100. What's the address for that again? Uh, uh, 2811 Mars Hill Street, or just Google Mars Hill Art center you might want to come see it and uh because it's actually you know it's like we're right in downtown mars hill if there's such a thing and if somebody's in their car right now and they don't have time to remember that address how can they just find you because i'm sure you can uh, give them that information yeah you can mouthwash talk show at gmail.com uh any of the social media. Uh, I'll even give you my phone number 317-650-7011 that's how 
That's how important this is. Be careful what you do, my friend. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, hey, I have some friends on both sides, but you know, you know how that goes. I got you. Hey, man, I appreciate what you're trying to do, trying to help out Marion County. It's tough. Some people think it's a lost cause, but the fact you're still out there throwing haymakers, man, I appreciate yeah, that. I might not be smart, but I don't quit. <laughs> John Schmitz, thank you. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Pacers making some moves. Talk about that here in just a second. But first, can we address the tweet about the contesting here, Jerry? We have to. We have to. Jerry Lopez filling in for Big Nige. So we give away a lot of concert tickets on our show. This week, we've got two different concerts we're giving away tickets to. Uh, We have a Luke Bryan contest coming up a little bit later on. And we do a contest, right, where... Caller number nine, whoever that may be, usually gets to play a very easy game to win the tickets. I've never seen one person lose a game. I'm sure it's happened in the past, but we've I've been here for Eagles tickets. I've been here for a bunch of tickets. I've never seen anybody lose because the questions are, I think they're tailored for people to win. Since we took over Afternoon Drive in 2017, I think there's only been once maybe twice where somebody didn't know and usually it was sing along with me but they didn't know any of the songs um but anyway so we got this tweet and i retweeted it quote tweeted it at hammer and nigel it's from jim quote your caller number nine system sucks it's pure luck to get through because it's so random I didn't even want Manilow tickets, but the Doobie Brothers would have been nice. Wish we could go back to camping out in the line. At least you had a chance that way. (laughs) So, Allison, I'm going to defer to you because you're the queen of caller number nine. And like, there are all these conspiracy theories about how you rigged the contest and you're up to no good. What are your thoughts on Jim complaining that... The contest that we have is random. He's complaining that it's pure luck and random when it's a contest. I don't know how we could be more fair. Uh, I I think it would be easier for me if I rigged it, to be honest. But no, I go through the line. We have a set number of lines. I go through. You guys witness me saying, caller number one, try again. Caller number two. I go through the line right. every time. I promise you guys. And Jerry, isn't that the whole point of a contest? You want it to be random. fair and random? Well, and, and the other part of this that I think Jim is missing he would camp out to buy tickets. We are not having people call in for the opportunity to buy tickets. Right. <laughs> We're giving them away for free. It's a free contest. If you want to camp out, camp out. Or just go to, you know, Live Nation, Ticketmaster, you know, do your thing that way online. Well, we did we did get a great response, right? So Marty says the calling contest should be an organized registered list of pre-approved, pre-planned callers, and I should know months ahead of time if I'm gonna win. <laughs> and I should have a private number to call for my own incredible phone interview. I mean, I've been doing radio for pretty much my adult life, from the time I was 18 years old to now, and I don't think I've ever had anybody complain that the contest was too random and too much luck. (laughs) Like, that's what you want, 
right? That's how a contest works. If I found out it wasn't that, I'd be upset. Right. If you're arguing <laughs> the opposite, okay, yeah. we got a ball game here. But this Caller guy, number one, caller number nine, who is this? This is Indy Spanglish. <laughs> your caller number nine system sucks. Thanks for listening, Jim. Uh, Pacers making some moves, a lot of trades. Uh, Buddy Heald on his way to Philadelphia, which I got to be honest, I don't like helping Philadelphia because they're above the Pacers in the standings right now. I don't like helping the Sixers. But Buddy Heald is on his way out. Coming in, Corey Joseph, Doug McDermott, um, a... European young player from the Sixers that's probably not going to see the floor. A couple second round picks and all the Pacers have given up is Buddy Heald, uh, a 2024 second round pick in cash. So a lot of trades happening on trade deadline day, but the big headline, Buddy Heald on his way out, Corey Joseph, Doug McDermott on their way in. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Jerry Lopez filling in for Big Nige. And Jerry, we're a couple hours away from Tucker Carlson rolling out this interview with Vladimir Putin. From everything that we've gathered, it sounds like 6 o'clock tonight, uh, Tucker's going to roll it out on his own Tucker Carlson network. And then shortly after that, I believe, it's going to be going to Twitter X. Um, a lot of people are losing their minds over this. I'm curious as to your perspective. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And not because I'm expecting to hear or even agree with uh, anything that Vladimir Putin's going to say. But I'm very interested to see the, his frame of mind and why he believes that he's doing the things that he's doing. Because that that whole side, that whole side, all the information... The, the government is gatekeeping from us. We're just expected to, to back Zelensky and we're being told what the narrative is. And, and while I will agree that Ukraine has a right to not be invaded, I would like to know what the heck is going on. Right. I'm curious as to why so many people are freaking out about this. Because in the past... It's, you know, happened before. You've had journalists interview Saddam Hussein. You've had journalists interview Osama bin Laden. This isn't anything new. Fidel Castro, on right. and on, Maduro, on and on and on. All these horrible dictators have been interviewed. So what's this really about? Well, I think they just don't want to get the story out because the, the other side is asking for our money, right? I mean, we just, the border bill had three times more money for that country than our own border. True. And I'm with you on that. I'm going to a completely different argument on this. I think the people that are upset the most about Tucker Carlson interviewing Vladimir Putin are the mainstream media members who did not get the interview with Vladimir Putin. Uh, yeah. Now, we played the audio yesterday of Abby Phillip melting down on CNN, and she admitted it. CNN has tried to interview Vladimir Putin before. So why is it fine for CNN to reach out to Vladimir Putin to try to do an interview. But when Tucker Carlson does it, all of a sudden, you've got European countries that want to go after him, and he's a traitor, and he's this, and he's that. It has nothing to do with who he's interviewing. It's who is doing the interview. Well, it's like the, it's like the, the record label hates the independent artist that gets the Grammy. 
because right. you're showing you don't need the label. Right. And Tucker got deplatformed. Remember, they they went crazy when he got kicked off Fox. Because he was the king of cable news. And now he's winning, and he just got the Putin interview. And that's what this is about. That's why people like... You know, Abby Phillip on CNN and all these, you know, very concerned citizens on social media are calling Tucker Carlson a traitor or this or that. They don't care. It's just because your guy didn't get the interview. And that scares the mainstream national cable news media to death because they think they're the kings of the mountain. But You look at guys like Tucker Carlson, you look at Joe Rogan, you look at some of these guys with these massive followings, they go to show they don't need these mainstream media outlets. And really, that's why they hate Donald Trump so much, too. Donald Trump didn't need Fox or CNN or MSNBC when he was the president or even running for the presidency because he's his own media network on social media, and that drives them crazy. Well, and you know who you can throw in there? Don Lemon. Right, Don Lemon is taking his show to X. He's right. not the only one. Everybody else is coming to X with their show. When, when a year ago, when Tucker got let go and he talked about coming to X, he was a laughing stock. Everybody, what are you doing? And now everybody's figuring out. Oh my gosh! Like this is actual a viable piece of media that is getting millions of views. He's getting millions of views, and he, he's dropping these interviews every week, and they're fantastic, unedited. Uh, what? And he doesn't. I don't want to say no misinformation because he lets the guest speak freely. It's up for you to make the decision, and that's all I want in this Putin interview. Let Putin say his piece. Let me digest it and come up with my own thoughts. And these podcasts. They're getting more and more views. Like Russell Brand is an actor, actor, comedian. I never liked any of his movies. I always thought the quote unquote comedy of Russell Brand made me long for the sweet relief that death may bring. (laughs) But he's got a podcast where it's really fascinating. You know, he's talking to folks on both sides of the aisle. And as somebody that's not from the United States, seeing him weigh in on what's happening here, it's kind of refreshing. Well, and they've tried to cancel him, too. Right. Here is uh, Russell Brand on his podcast talking about how CNN is melting down that Tucker Carlson got an interview with Vladimir Putin. And let's have a look at CNN's reporting on Tucker in Russia. They are furious, baby. A massive shakeup in Kiev coming as Putin is trying to court the MAGA GOP in the United States. In fact, one of the leaders of the MAGA GOP is in Moscow tonight. It's the man you see here, Tucker Carlson. Possibly there in Moscow to interview Putin. Definitely there as a Putin-supporting celebrity. The very idea that a conversation between Putin and Tucker is a threat to us rather than a threat to their control is ridiculous. It might be worth asking yourself since it is getting pretty serious. What is this really about? Why do I hate Putin so much? Has Putin ever called me a racist? Has he threatened to get me fired for disagreeing with him? Does he eat dogs? These are fair questions, and the answer to all of them is no. Check this out. I remember watching that clip. I was standing in Ukraine 48 hours before the war began there. I was in Ukraine doing what I'm supposed to do, reducing and simplifying a very complex conflict, not asking about the state of their democracy or why Gonzalo Lira was in prison or why opposition parties are being shut down, or why the state is taking control of all media, or why Vladimir Zelensky is right now appearing at the Grammys or the Emmys or the Golden Globes, appealing to J.P. Morgan, (laughs) or appealing to BlackRock to fund a nation in a post-war situation and create some kind of digital democracy where there are no trade unions. I was doing proper journalism, the kind of journalism where you only say things that are beneficial to state power, and yet when I go to Russia, nobody cares. 
And he's right. Yeah. Again, you don't have to like his movies or his comedy to listen to his commentary. And I think he makes valid points there. And I've said from the very beginning, when everybody's losing their minds that Tucker's interviewing Putin, it has nothing to do with the fact that he is speaking to the leader of Russia, a rival to the United States. These people are ticked off that it's not their guy doing the interview, and it won't be a softball. They're not going to shift the narrative a certain way. I'm hoping, and again, I haven't seen it. It drops tonight. I'm hoping, like you said, Jerry, Tucker lets him go. He asks important questions. We get some information, and we can make up our own minds. Well, here's the, here's the other part of it now. Now you're forcing big media to cover you. Right, right. And you don't have to like Russia to watch the interview or be interested in it, right? Sometimes you just want to get as much information as you can. Like, I hope Vladimir Putin dies a slow and painful death caused by gonorrhea. I do not like the guy. But am I going to watch the interview? Yes. Let's remember the Jeffrey Dahmer special that came out on Netflix. People went crazy for it. We didn't like Jeffrey Dahmer, but we wanted to get inside of his head. Right. It's the same thing here. Uh, real quick, I want to do a shout out to a buddy of mine that's... Uh, in a tough spot, uh, former Pacers player Scott Pollard. Now, Scott has been a friend of this show for a long time. He uh, filled in a couple times when Nigel was gone. He was one of our early guests uh, when we first started doing Afternoon Drive and even back when we had a horrible weekend show. Um, he would come in and just be the light of the room, man. He was Mr. Party. And he is in the ICU right now. He's on the list for a heart transplant. But the problem is, he's like seven feet tall. And there's not a lot of hearts for seven-footers that are floating around right now. And time is a factor. Uh, so he's in the ICU and uh, sent him a message last night. He's hanging in there. He's in good spirits. But, man, sometimes uh, life happens and it's not very fun. He joined us uh, early on in this program and told a great story about the brawl that took place in Detroit. Remember, obviously, Ron Artest runs into the stands, punches the wrong guy, hell breaks loose, the malice in the palace. Scott Pollard on the Hammer and Nigel show talking about what happened after that in the locker room. The best quote. We finally all get wrangled into the locker room and we're all sitting there and just kind of digesting what happened. And Ron looks up at everybody and just goes, y'all think we're going to get fined for this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Ron. I, I think I think there might be some fines. <laughs> yeah, there were some fines. There were some suspensions. And uh, man. A name, best, a name change. <laughs> yeah, a name change after that, too. Uh, best of luck to uh, Scott Pollard, man. We're pulling for you. and Nigel presents is It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? Alright, let's rock and roll. Rock and roll. And this is how we play Is This Anything? I'm going to run some stories by Jerry Lopez, Indy Spanglish. He's filling in for Big Nige, and he's going to be the one that breaks down all the information, weighs out the pros and the cons, and gives us a verdict. Is the story anything or not? Have you seen the movie Ace Ventura, Jerry? Definitely. Classic. Detective. Cold classic, yep. So, on the Pat McAfee show yesterday... 
Again, Pat McAfee, uh, part of ESPN now, also does the very successful YouTube show, which is often streamed on ESPN. Dan Marino came on with Pat and addressed this rumor that's out there that his contract with the movie Ace Ventura, because Dan Marino has a great cameo in there, Dan opted to take the flat appearance fee for the movie instead of getting a percentage of the gross of the profits of the movie. Now, Ace Ventura made like $100 million, but Dan Marino turned that down to get a flat fee to appear as an actor in the movie. Here is Dan on the Pat McAfee Show. The story is Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Right. You were offered an amount of money, let's say 15 bucks. We don't have to give us the actual <laughs> amount of money, but right. let's say it's 15 bucks. Or a percentage of what the film makes going forward. That's just how I've always seen it. And you said to yourself, give me the money. What are we talking about? <laughs> and then it goes on to obviously have the success of it. Is that accurate? And did you know that Very you were going to be so good acting in that movie? You almost stole the show in that thing. Yeah. Well, I actually made Jim Carrey a star because it wasn't for me. No one knew who the hell he was. <laughs> yep. So I take full credit for his career. But uh, yeah, the, uh, we were going to do the movie. At first, I didn't I didn't think I was going to do it because I read the script and then I got to meet Jim Carrey. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this could be a lot of fun. And it's either going to do really well or it's going to be nowhere. And uh, so they offer me a percentage of the gross. And knowing me, I didn't take it. <laughs> I took the short end cash, but that's okay. That anything? I mean, it's a horrible business deal, but think about being Dan Marino when that time comes out. You're the quarterback. You're the young stud in Miami. Just give me some flashy cash. I'm off and running. Right. right. Like, but, but you can't talk about uh, Ace Ventura without saying your gun is digging into my hip. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And I can imagine, you know, Dan, who's kind of a red ass, right? Like he's a fiery guy, uh, looking at the script the first time and seeing wait a minute, this guy's talking out of his butt? I don't want to be right. a part of this movie. <laughs> Just give me the flat rate. I'll do my thing and move on. And then that's really the movie that launched Jim Carrey into the stratosphere because he was on In Living Color, which he was really good on. Right. Uh, he had done some other things, but that was the movie. Without that, there's no Dumb and Dumber. There's no mask. There's no you know career, really, yeah. uh, as a megastar for Jim Carrey. Is this anything? Disney, Warner Brothers, Discovery, and Fox have all announced that they're joining forces to do this massive sports streaming platform. It's going to be a standalone app, but you can also add it uh, to some other streaming devices like Max or Hulu or Disney Plus as part of a bundle. Is this anything? I'm starting to think we messed up by getting rid of cable at this point. Like, how I'm paying for Cable Plus at this point with all the streaming services I have. Right. I was a cord cutter, like, back in the day. And then, you're right, by the time I get Netflix and Hulu and Peacock. Right. You're getting all these things. HBO Max, all of them. You're paying more than you did with cable. Yeah. yeah. We went back and now I'm just, I'm bare minimum on my streams. I'm Peacock, I'm Netflix, uh, Hulu, and Paramount. I like Paramount, too, because Paramount gives me South Park. It also gives you um, Beverly Hills Cop. Yes. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. Yes, it does. Uh, but this is 
got the potential to change the way we watch sports. Like these big networks that have signed massive deals with the NFL and the NBA. NBC and Notre Dame. Right. They're sweating bullets now because they see what the future is in front of them. And this is going to be something to keep an eye on. Is this anything? 30 middle school teachers in Kentucky are splitting a million-dollar lottery hit by matching five numbers in the Powerball. Here are the teachers talking about all separately bringing home some bonus cash. Oh my gosh, we've won. You're right. What did we win? She goes, she goes, Reynolds, I think we won a million dollars. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. We work extra jobs to pay our bills. We work, you know, we just look for it at anywhere that we can get it. And it's amazing just to have a little bit of relief for a second, some breathing room. And so it wasn't the monetary as much as it was the symbol behind us being family and us doing this together. So after taxes, Jerry, everybody in this group's getting about $24,000. Is this anything? Yeah, I'm not buying Kleenex for my classroom next year. Okay, so <laughs> the teacher will need to provide the Kleenex. I mean, that's awesome. That's a group of friends here that says they've been doing it for 14 years. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And, hey, they were even Steven. Nobody tried to run a scam. Nobody tried to cash the ticket and leave town. I was going to say, was there one teacher who got mad? Like, I bought the ticket. You right. Know? Somebody wanted a little extra finder's fee, I'm sure. Uh since we're talking about the lottery here, I think it's time for great moments and local TV reporters asking people about the lottery history. Hammer and Nigel present great moments and local TV reporters asking people about the lottery history. I'm here with someone else who has gotten their ticket. Now, James, you bought your ticket. What are you going to do with that money if you win? Well, I'm definitely going to get a, a new supercharged Mustang with dual exhaust and about five kilos of cocaine, and I'll be good to go. Okay, so you like cars. You like yeah, cars. Great moments <laughs> local TV reporters asking people about the lottery history. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. So the Senate has advanced a $95 billion foreign aid bill for Ukraine, Israel, Gaza, and Taiwan. Now, this was the bill that had nothing to do with border security here. That was taken out of this. No border security provisions for the United States, but $95 billion for Ukraine, Israel, Gaza, and Taiwan. I mean, there is border security, but it's not our border, right? We're securing everybody else's border with our hard-earned tax money. There were 17 Republican senators who voted this through. So it wasn't like this was one or two people that made this possible. 17 Republican senators made this possible, including Todd Young here in Indiana. Big surprise there, right? I mean, he, he voted for the omnibus bill last year at, some, at the, same, the same time. So Todd Young was a yay on this $95 billion package sending that money overseas but still, nothing here at our border. Now, let's not get it twisted. That quote-unquote border bill that they tried to roll out earlier in the week was a turd, and I'm glad that it died a slow and painful death because that was a Democrat's biggest wish list. But the smack in the face hammer is that it was a turd because it had this stuff in it. 
That's true. And now they turned around and gave it to him anyway and took out our border. The things that I didn't like about the original bill earlier in the week was basically giving Biden the authority to just start passing out green cards and making 1.5 to 1.8 million people who broke the law, who came over illegally, giving them just two big thumbs up and saying, welcome to America. That's the part that I didn't like. There were a number of things that I didn't like about that. So again, I'm glad that it died. But you talk about the financials of it too. You know, Originally, $20 billion was supposed to be for the U.S. border. $60 billion was going to Ukraine. So, you know, a third of what you gave Ukraine was going to stay here in the United States. I'm glad that bill died. But while we were all sitting around complaining about how bad of a bill it was, and I'm glad that it's dead, this new bill going over to Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, Gaza— more of your money, or should I say your grandkids, 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 grandkids' money, because that's who's paying for it. Allison, hit me with some legal stuff. Crime, punishment, judges, legal stuff. So do you remember the story of a uh, young Kansas City Chiefs fan, and he went to a football game, and he had the uh, chief's headdress on and one side of his face was uh, painted red. The other side of his face was painted black because that was the colors of the Kansas city chiefs. Well, the website Deadspin, they photographed this kid because they only saw one side of his face. Right. And they thought he was wearing black face with a headdress on. Well, they definitely saw both sides of his face. They just posted the picture of the side that had the black face. True. Well, now The family of that nine-year-old boy that got shamed by the media outlet Deadspin, they're suing Deadspin for defamation. In a lawsuit filed against Deadspin, the family is claiming that they defamed and caused irreversible damage to this nine-year-old Kansas City Chiefs fan. The kid's parents, Shannon and Raul, they allege that Deadspin intentionally intentionally published a defamatory article exposing the family to a barrage of hate, including death threats, because that's how the peaceful, tolerant left works. Yeah, it's it's a shame, too. I mean, the moment they put out the picture, thankfully that, that people online immediately came out and, and defended this kid before the family had to say anything. But, but in, in such a woke environment, you know that that kid got attacked. You know that his parents got DMs and coworkers, and people just ran with the story. I hope they take every penny from Deadspin. I hope this is the nail in the coffin for Deadspin. One of the worst, just woke pieces of garbage that's out there. Uh, the lawsuit filed in Delaware states, quote, the article, fal- the article falsely alleged that Holden had found a way to hate black people and the Native Americans at the same time. And it's alleged that Holden's parents, and again, Holden's the last name, uh, Shannon and Raul taught racism and hate at home. Think about what they did to this nine-year-old. They went out of their way to shame a kid at a Kansas City Chiefs football game wearing team colors, and the Chiefs headdress on. He was on. probably so excited, too. He looked phenomenal as a fan. He looked like a super fan. And they turn around and call him a racist. And the cherry on top of the Sunday, there's Indian blood in this kid. Like, he's got, yep. you know, 
Indians in his family and they've all blessed it. They've given thumbs up and they're rooting for the kid. And I hope he gets every penny because this is the only way to stop some of this ridiculousness going the full Nicholas Sandman route. Remember Nicholas Sandman was the kid from Covington uh, Catholic school in Kentucky. And he went to the white house on some school trip or whatever. And the media claimed he was harassing some native American man. What in all actuality, it was the other way around. This activist Native American guy was banging a drum, and all my man Sandman did was just sit there and smile. And he had a Donald Trump Make America Great Again hat on. He just sat there and smiled, kept to himself. And you got people like Bill Maher saying, you know, he's got a punchable face, and all these folks on CNN ripping him, going after him. Next thing you know, he's got a lot of money in his bank account from people at CNN, from MSNBC. That's what you have to do. I hate that we're at this point in our country, but if you're going to go after a kid, a kid that hasn't done anything wrong, just to kind of be a bully, then I hope you get your ass sued all the way through. Uh, Allison, can I get some mood music, please? Dateline Washington State. Hundreds of strippers in Washington State are fighting for statewide protections that would be the most comprehensive stripper protection act in America, Jerry. Known as the Strippers Bill of Rights, proposals are being considered in the state legislature that would require security guards at each club, keypad codes to enter the dressing rooms, training for employees on preventing sexual harassment, and procedures if a customer is violent. I got to be honest, I'm kind of for the strippers here. I'm for all of those things. Yeah, I I am too, but if they want rights, they need to identify as illegal strippers, right? (laughs) That's right. Especially in Washington State. (laughs) If they come out and say they're illegal migrant strippers. I'm from Guatemala. You get everything. They'll get everything they want, including a raise. How about that? Aw, jeez. You guys are freaking me out. The Hammer and Nigel Show. Stop it. Stop it. It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Uh, Jerry Lopez is here. Indy Spanglish filling in for Big Nige. And there's a big game. Super Bowl. Yes, we're going to say it. Super Bowl coming up this Sunday. And it's a day where a lot of people want to get an awesome food spread. The problem is, things are pretty damn expensive. Well, lucky for you, we've got a special guest on the hotline making her triumphant return to save your Super Bowl party. You know her, you love her. She saves you money, she funnels my hog. She is the crazy coupon lady, Mrs. Hammer, Crystal Hammer. How are you, love? Boy, that's an introduction right that there. How are you, fat ass? I, <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's been a little bit since you've been on the show with us. And, you know, a lot of people have always asked me, hey, what happened to the coupon lady? Where's the crazy coupon lady at? So what gives? Where you been? 
Well, you know, I mean, life has, you know, handed us a, some couple things that we've had to deal with lately. But honestly, the coupon deals that are out there, they really just have not been as good as they normally have been. And it's, it's hard to put scenarios and stuff together. So that's one of the main reasons is I just look for those deals and they're, they're shortcoming right now. Now, for those who don't know or somebody that might be listening for the first time, yes, you are my wife. But number two. Two, you are like one of those extreme coupon people. You used to do it to the point where we would have ridiculous amounts of crap in the house, but then you toned it down a little bit to just stuff that we use, like laundry soap and cereal and things like that. You used to do it all the time. You would come on our show a couple years ago and pump these deals out. There'd be videos. You could go to a number of different stores and get a big haul for a little small amount of cash. But you're telling me those days have kind of come to an end? They they really have. I mean, well, you you can notice it because you know I have a shelving unit that has my stockpile on it, and if you've noticed, I'm not overflowing like I used to. In fact, there's empty holes now, and and you notice now that I just I stock up a little bit here and a little bit there. It's you know I the deals are they're not bad, but they're just not as good as they used to be, and I just you know. It, it, it is what it is. It, it's the way the world is now. Because a lot of these grocery stores and places like CVS and Dollar General and wherever else you would do your coupon deals at, you know, those prices have gone up. They feel the inflation. They feel everything going on. So when those prices go up, they're not in a big rush to put any coupons out to pass any savings on to you. No, they're not. And, you know, basically what I do now is is I just look for what's on sale and what our family uses. And that's about all you can do at this point. All right. So last week, I told you at home, we need the return of the crazy coupon lady because this Sunday is one of the great days on the American calendar, Super Bowl Sunday. This is a day where all diets are out the window and people want to have snacks. Some people are having parties. They're having friends and family over people are going to have a good time they're going to gamble on a coin toss what kind of food can we hook these people up with so that was your challenge what did you find for us Okay, so we're going to be going to Kroger uh, this week to get most or basically everything that we need for a, a Super Bowl party that, you know, could feed up to six to eight people. That, cause that's usually what our family has. You know, we got four of us. The boys usually have one or two friends over. So we have anywhere from six to eight people, okay? All right. So you're got not only going to have to have your Kroger Plus card, but you're also going to have to download the Kroger app because there are coupons that you will have to clip on the app app in order to get the additional savings. Okay, so we've got our Kroger Plus card. Normally, mm-hmm. you could just type your phone number in at the checkout counter, yep. but you also need the app. All right, so we've done both of these things. What's next? Okay, so the first two items I'm going to talk about is you don't need any coupons. It's actually just a store sale that they are having. The Pepsi and Coke 12-packs. You can mix and match. You buy two, you get three 12-packs for free. Now, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but a 12-pack of soda now is $9.99. For a, for a 12-pack of soda. So, you can do this up to two times, but you can, it's buy two, get three free, and that average is out to three ninety nine to twelve pack, which isn't too terrible. Okay. 
Okay. So the next um, deal that we're going to do also does not require a coupon is the Lay's chips. Now, this also includes Doritos and Fritos. They are also buy two, get three free. So a bag of Lay's chips normally will cost $4.19, but you're going to buy two, get three free, and that averages out to $1.68 a bag. And you could do that up to two times, so a total of 10 bags total. Okay. We're rolling. We're rolling. We're doing good. The next thing we're going to get is what's a Super Bowl party without, you know, boneless or not boneless wings, but, you know, chicken wings, right? Right. So the Heritage Farm two and a half pound bags, they're normally eleven ninety nine. When you clip the weekly digital deal coupon that is on the Kroger app, you can get a two and a half pound bag for just five ninety nine. That's almost half off. I like it. I like saving money on wings. Absolutely. And then, you know, what about the little smoky cocktail sausages? You like the little cocktail sausages, you know, as an appetizer? Like the little cocktail weenie kind of things yeah, or the sausages? The cocktail weenies, yeah. Yeah. Okay. The little cocktail weenie sausages. They're normally four ninety nine a pack. Um, they are on sale for two ninety nine a pack. And oh. then last again, you have to clip that weekly digital coupon to get that price. Okay. But last but not least, the DiGiorno pizzas. It's not delivery, it's it's DiGiorno. DiGiorno. There, okay. there you go. <laughs> they are normally seven ninety nine a pizza. When you clip that weekly digital deal coupon, you're gonna get them for three ninety nine. So I put a little scenario together for like our family of, of eight people that'll be here. If I got five twelve packs of uh, sodas and I can mix and match five bags of chips, five different types of DiGiorno pizzas, two packages of the little smoky uh, cocktail wieners and two pa- uh, packages of the chicken wings, the two and a half pound bags. The total would be $67 and that would be everything we would need to have a nice Super Bowl spread. That's $145 of groceries that you're going to get for just $67. That's awesome. That is what I'm talking about. That that is what the crazy coupon lady does. And I must tip my hat to you. You didn't put an S at the end of Kroger. You said deal and not dill. You didn't sound like a barefoot hillbilly this time. So congratulations. I have been practicing. I've been practicing and I made sure I did not put that S on Kroger's. <laughs> well done. Great job, Crystal. I'll talk to you tonight. All right. Love you. Love you. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it is the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nige is out. He is at the Waste Management Open, the big rowdy golf tournament out in Arizona. So we thought we need somebody equally as rowdy. So we went to the bullpen. We called out the wild thing. Indy Spanglish, Jerry Lopez is here. What's up, man? What's going on? What's going on? I know this is a shocker to everyone, but the Department of Justice has said that Joe Biden did nothing wrong when it comes to those classified documents. I thought we were going to see Joe Biden in handcuffs and people going through the good doctor's uh, underwear drawer like Melania, but that's not going to happen. And if you can't tell, I'm being completely sarcastic, Jerry. Yeah, he's too senile to be held accountable for his crimes is what they've essentially said, right? But if you're a J6 grandma 
who went to the Capitol building, well, we're going to throw you in jail for 12 years. I mean, we knew this was going to happen, right? He could have had a big neon sign like, you know, those bars have. Or like in the movie Big Daddy, the live nudes neon sign. Joe Biden could have had that above his garage that said classified docks with an arrow that blinks like a Vegas casino and still nothing would have happened to him. It's uh, it's crazy. So I think somebody told me one time ignorance is not a form of self-defense and this falls right into that category and this is at its highest level. You're the president of the United States, at the time, vice president of the United States. Which is key, because the vice president has no business bringing that kind of stuff home anyway. Right. And then you've got a known drug user, a felon, going in and out of that garage where you've got the classified docs stacked up, but it's fine. But Melania's got something in her underwear drawer, or Trump's got something in Mar-a-Lago. Hot damn, it's DEFCON. Let's go. FBI full-blown raid at Mar-a-Lago. So Biden's doing a little bit of a victory lap today. Meanwhile, Donald Trump might be doing a victory lap sooner rather than later. This Supreme Court hearing about Donald Trump being removed from the ballot for the primary in in Colorado, this seems like it's been a blowout, a one-sided blowout in favor of Donald Trump. Now, it's just one day. We're only one day into this thing. Oral arguments took place today, but... If you followed this, the oral arguments were incredibly one-sided. Oh, even the left at this point, even even the the justices that, that are appointed by Democrats are now saying to Colorado, this makes no sense. Right. So Colorado removed Donald Trump from the primary ballot because they claim he started an insurrection. Now, now this now this case will also affect Maine and all the other states that decided they were going to take him off as well. So whatever happens with Colorado is going to is going to trickle down to all the other states. Justice Clarence Thomas, he wanted specific examples of national candidates being left off of ballots. He wanted specific examples, and this very young attorney representing Colorado wasn't able to give him any. The concern was that the former Confederate states would continue being bad actors, and the effort was to prevent them from doing this. And you're saying that, well, this also authorized states to disqualify candidates. So what I'm asking you for, if you are right, what are the examples? Well, Your Honor, the examples are states excluded many candidates for state office, individuals holding state offices. We have a number of published cases of states. That's not national. I I understand the states controlling state uh, elections and state positions. What we are talking about here are national candidates. Uh, I understand. uh, You look at Foner or Foote, Shelby Foote or McPherson, they all talk about, of course, the conflict after the Civil War. And there were people who felt very strongly about uh, retaliating against the South, the radical Republicans. Uh, But they did not think about authorizing the South to disqualify national candidates. And that's the argument you're making. And what I would like to know is is, uh, do you have any examples of this? But I think the reason why there aren't examples of states doing this is an idiosyncratic one. So, no, I can't give you examples. 
And this young attorney for Colorado, like, I got to be honest, I'm rooting against him because I think this is a political, uh, ridiculous thing that's going on. You almost felt sorry for him because he was in over his head. And whoever decided to send this young cat to the Supreme Court, I think they knew he was going to be the sacrificial lamb. I think he was set up. I think he was set up. I think no tenured attorney wanted to put their name on, on on this at all. Because Donald Trump has not been convicted of anything. That's the basis of the whole argument. Right. Uh, Justice Brett Kavanaugh, here he is going uh, at the attorney. Again, it's a young guy. His name is Jason Murray. But here is uh, Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh kind of giving him the business. Some of the rhetoric of your position, I don't think it is your position, but some of the rhetoric of your position seems to suggest unless the states can do this, no one can prevent insurrectionists from holding federal office. But obviously Congress has enacted statutes, uh, including one still in effect, Section 2383 of Title 18 prohibits insurrection. It's a federal criminal statute. And if you're convicted of that, you are, it says, shall be disqualified from holding any office. And so there is a federal statute on the books, but um, President Trump has not been charged with that. He's not been convicted. He's not been charged, either one, with insurrection. So it's basically just a formality at this point. I mean, we played the audio earlier of Justice Gorsuch. I mean, he really went after this kid. I mean, Gorsuch sounded like grumpy old man up there. He had a place to be. Maybe he had some irritable bowel syndrome going on. He tore this dude apart. But you listened to some of the Democrats earlier, and it was the same thing. Yeah, and so I just looked him up to see if I could get his age, and I clicked on something that said, you know, who is this uh, Who is this Murray guy? So you're going to love this. So Murray was previously a law clerk for liberal justice Elena Kagan, and he also clerked for conservative justice Gorsuch. Really? Yeah. So he's done both sides he of the aisle. He knows both of these guys, and he's up there just standing two feet up and taking it. But they basically sent a young, inexperienced former clerk to the Supreme Court. Yeah. They knew what would happen. This dude was the sacrificial lamb. Um, file this under the category of pot meat kettle. Sonny Hostin who is one of the awful women that hosts The View. She is a big proponent of slavery reparations, right? Mm -hmm. She loves reparations. She is ready for everybody to cash those reparation checks. And if you come from a family of slavery, well, you better go to the bank. You better get the checkbook out because you owe people money. Well, funny how things turn out. She went on uh, a PBS show to explore her ancestry. Turns out, Little Miss Reparation here is the descendant of slave slave owners from Spain who owned Africans. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm in a little bit in shock. I, I just always thought of myself as Puerto Rican, you know, half Puerto Rican. <laughs> That's what a slave owner would uh, say. <laughs> my family was originally from Spain and slaveholders. <laughs> yeah. So how are you feeling, my friend? Um, I just, um, I think it's actually pretty interesting that um, my husband and I have shared roots. Yeah. So I, I do appreciate that, um, and I think it's great for our children mm-hmm. to know this information. Um, I guess it's a fact of life that uh, this is how some people made their living on the backs of others. Not some people, your people, Sonny. 
Right. I would love if anybody that was a minority just started knocking on the door at Sonny Hostin's house and just almost like trick or treat. Where's my reparations? I'm a DMer. Make your check payable to Jerry Lopez. (laughs) Right. Right. Oh, that's so beautiful. Are you okay? Everything's going to be okay. Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty far from okay. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel. Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah. We got Jerry Lopez filling in for Big Nige, and this is how we're going to do Are You Okay With This? Normally, I'm on the receiving end of these questions. Today, I'll be on the giving end. Jerry, tell me if you're okay with these stories. Number one, according to new numbers that have been released, 67.8 million Americans are expected to bet in some capacity on Super Bowl 58. That's 26% of adults in our country are going to be making a wager of some kind. Are you okay with this? As one of the adults that will be making a wager of some kind, yes, I am okay with this. <laughs> um, but further on, what's it say? $23.1 billion will be gambled. The first thing that came to my mind is sports gambling's only been legal for a handful of years. In most states, yeah. The mafia was raking in the dough. <laughs> That's a lot of money. It is. like Because every major city had somebody like Sill and the Sopranos. Right. That was running the sports book that would set the lines and take the money. And if you didn't pay, well... We go swimming with the fishes. Right. Something may or may not have happened to you. Uh, but since it's become legal... And so easy, you're seeing these video game type of numbers. Because even in Nevada, for a while, you still had to physically walk up to the sports book, you know, look at the big board, put your money down, make a bet, and get a ticket. Now, everything's just on your phone. Heck, you can gamble. We're going to gamble on the coin toss. Yes. You can gamble on the color of the Gatorade, how long the national anthem is. My favorite prop bet that's out there, you could actually bet on whether or not a kicker is going to have a doink on a kick. Of some the, kind hitting the upright well, of the, the goal first post. kick be a touchback. There, you can gamble any way you want to on this thing. I love it. And uh, tomorrow on this program, we're going to have my group of degenerate gambling friends together: uh, comedian Scott Long and pro handicapper David Stefanoff. We're going to give you our prop bets and picks for the Super Bowl. So that's coming up tomorrow. Now, speaking of the Super Bowl, a thirty-second commercial for this year's game. Costs around $7 million. That's just a 30-second commercial, $7 bucks. It's the same price as last year. Are you okay with this? It's such a waste of money. Like, people watch commercials for them to be memorable, but I don't think people are watching commercials to go buy goods, right? But I'm surprised it's the same as last year because I would think the Taylor effect would make the price go up. That's what I thought, too. I think you're going to see a potential record of eyeballs yeah. on this game. And I thought for sure the money would go up. Now, the only thing I can think of is maybe these rates were sold weeks or months ago, and you didn't quite know if the uh, Taylor Swift angle would be involved in the Super Bowl. You know, Baltimore wins that game, you're not talking about it right. or something like that. But yeah, I thought it'd be a little bit more expensive, but. Here's the thing that also stinks about it. 
because it's so expensive, I think a lot of these companies, they're not trying to be cute or funny anymore. Here's our product. Here's where you buy it. Here's the website. Out. I'll, I'll tell you what. If they bring back the Budweiser frogs, I'll drink a Bud Light. Really? But they're not bringing them back. <laughs> they're trying to butch it up. Like, they've got Peyton Manning, and they're partnered with the UFC. They got uh, Gillis, the, the comedian. He's now a, a, one of the people that's yeah. promoting. Donald Trump, the other day, said it's time to forgive Bud Light. You good with that? What's up? <laughs> uh, Allison, for this next story, I'm going to need a little mood music, please. Trips to Disney World have become so complicated and expensive that families are now paying to take classes just to learn how to navigate not only walking around Disney, but how to get tickets and get your money's worth. There are books you can buy and even $39 Zoom tutorials so you can get the most out of your Disney vacation. Are you okay with this? Man, that is genius entrepreneurship. Right? That is, for $39, I'll teach you how to set up an X account. <laughs> like, that is genius right there. Yeah. But, you know, but I, I get it, though. It, it is. So I took my kids, I don't know, we'll call it 15 years ago at this point, but it was expensive then. Right. And I know at that time, there was no Fast Pass, and, we, and I had little ones, so what character do you want to see? When do you want to see them? You definitely want to get your money's worth, and and I could see how I would not want to waste my time in line. And if you're willing to spend whatever it is now, 150 bucks a ticket, what's an extra 39 bucks so you can get a little tutorial on to see if you're doing the it? The best right. way to do it, yeah. No, I'm good with that. Um, you know what I miss? I miss Donald Trump putting out tweets, not Truth Social. I miss the tweets because they were shorter, you know, 140 characters or less. And we used to have Snow White from Disney reading Donald Trump tweets. LeBron James was just interviewed by the dumbest man on television, Don Lemon. He made <laughs> LeBron look smart, which isn't easy to do. I like Mike. I miss those days. I miss the chopper pressers. I miss the tweets and having characters read said tweets. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. And now... And Nigel go off the rails with rock and noise pollution. It is the Hammer and Nigel show. I'm Jason Hammer, Jerry Lopez, Indy Spanglish filling in for Big Nige and in the studio, face to face, just like he was with Suzanne Crouch early today. Rob Kendall, ready to go off the rails. Rob, how are you? Great. Thanks, as always, to our segment sponsor, the fabulous, the amazing Garage Doors of Indianapolis. So earlier today on your program, Kendall and Casey, you had the Indiana Lieutenant Governor, Suzanne Crouch, in studio. She is running to be the governor of Indiana. And... Listen, there's a lot of people that have been critical of 
her boss, Eric Holcomb, and ultimately the fact that she kind of just sat around and went along with it, which is why you've dubbed her Silent Suzanne. <laughs> and she made sure on air she's fully aware of the name, so I gave her some credit for that. So for those who might not have had a chance to hear it, I know it's posted on your podcast page, but reset a little bit of the back and forth that you had with Suzanne Crouch. Well, right out of the gate, we asked her, we said, look, what sort of grade would you give Holcomb and the Holcomb administration? And I felt that was the only way to ask that question where you had to get a straight answer. You couldn't get a well but you couldn't get a you know three minutes where they say nothing and i said they only I thought and that's key because for those who don't know like when you interview a politician or an athlete some of them know the drill like the old joke that i used to do when i covered sports was you could ask peyton manning what time is it and he's going to give you a five minute answer because the more he rambles the less questions you get yeah. and they're and they're trained professionals at this and she totally was not ready for that question which means then you're going to get an honest answer because she hasn't had time to think it through in her head she's got to answer on the spot she can't filibuster out of it and she gave an a she said eric holcomb and the holcomb administration the past seven years deserve an a and that uh well they went downhill from there <laughs> i was listening in my car and again it takes a lot to render me speechless but i couldn't believe she said an a for a governor who told Honest, hardworking Hoosiers who just wanted to go back to work during COVID, he called them a Petri dish, locked them down. Many of them were never able to recover their businesses and at the same time allowed angry mobs to march up and down the street, threats to seize the governor's mansion. But he gave a meet and greet to Malik Muhammad. This is well before he got uh, charged with trying to murder a police officer on the Pacific Coast. That warranted an A? Yeah, and this is the problem that she's had the whole time she's been running. And I, we were said, you know, in the days leading up, we'd be curious how she threads the needle. She, you can't. You can't thread the needle with Holcomb in the Republican primary because he is so hated by so much of the Republican base, and she tried to do it, and this is where you, you just you get silly. Okay, so you give him an A, but then you spend the next several minutes talking about how the government's too big, the government's too inefficient, the taxes are too high, we got to fix all this, and that. But you gave him an A. You can't give somebody an A and then say all these things are, are wrong. And she really didn't want to talk about 2020. I felt like we stayed on her pretty good because she kept saying, "Well, I don't want to talk about the past. You have to talk about the past because you were there, and you don't want the past to repeat itself." Exactly. And so she said, "Well, I won't lock the state down again. I won't do the mask mandates again." But you didn't fight for us when you had the opportunity, and and. Nobody thinks that she should be held accountable for Holcomb and that Holcomb's his own guy, but you were complicit through your silence right. and not speaking out. And I'll tell you the big winner today was if he capitalizes on his Micah Beckwith, because she made the case today about why you need a lieutenant governor who is elected separate from the governor and can be an independent check and balance on the governor. Because if Suzanne Crouch had spoken out, whether it was the Petri dish or the rioters or Noble or the mask mandates or the business shutdowns or all these tax increases, we might have had a stop to a lot of this stuff, or at least it wouldn't have been as bad as it was. And so Micah Beckwith is the guy who has the biggest opening out of all of this because she made the case for him. So using your political background, again, as somebody that's been an advisor, somebody that's been an elected official, that's worked in the state house, what should Susanna, Suzanne Crouch have said. Well, I would have done it like uh, Jake Jake Blues and the Blues Brothers under the under the uh, bridge with Carrie Fisher at gunpoint. You know, it was an earthquake. It was a terrible flood. Look, 
Lucas. It wasn't my fault. Lucas. I mean, look, she, she was just in such a bind. I mean, if I were her, I think your only option in a Republican primary, because she she can't fire her, and they've only got a you know a year left together anyway, and I don't I don't think they're all that close to begin with. Is I would have just come and thrown the guy under the bus and said, look, the guy's failed here, 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 and here. I did everything I could behind the scenes because dealing with these people, you you can't. If I'd have publicly blasted them, they'd have cut me out, and I had no shot. I think he did all of these things wrong, and I tried my best, and I failed at that. But I won't fail the people of Indiana. And I don't even know if that answer would work at this point because she's so connected to him. But the fact that she embraced him and gave him an A, I don't know how you. That, I mean, that's going to show up in an ad, right? I mean, if you're one of these, you know, Braun or or Doden or Curtis Hill, you got to run that in an ad because she's toast if people hear that. Right, one hundred percent. So, what were some of the other things that you noticed from your conversation today? Well, here's uh, the other thing that's interesting was that she's all in on this FSSA thing. Now. Now, where, of course, there's this billion-dollar Medicaid shortfall. Medicaid is trying to get money back that they were given to parents who who care for disabled kids. She's come out, she being Suzanne, demanded an audit. She's demanded they not cut. All of a sudden, now she's coming out demanding all this stuff. And I told her, I said, look, I told everybody on this radio station four years ago, I said three years ago, I said two years ago, when Holcomb was openly leaving the the emergency declaration open because of the federal money that was coming. And I mean, when people are going to Pacers games and Colts games and at bars and you still got an emergency declaration, he was finally forced to admit, I'm doing this for the federal money. And I said, wait a second. This federal money is going to run out, and you're using it to put all these people on Medicaid because it's a legalized vote-buying operation. How is it that I can see this, and yet you, Suzanne, and all these Republican lawmakers now are going, I had no idea this was going to happen. How is this even possible? And again, it's, well, you know, you. she gives this rambling answer about, well, you serve a very important purpose here. You're right. I do. Thanks for noticing. But it doesn't answer how I could know this, and you, the elected people universally claim you had no idea. Tell me if this makes sense. Because, again, I'm somebody that was listening to that interview in my car like a lot of people were today. And it's nothing personal against Suzanne at all. She's a very nice woman. She's very nice. Um, I have nothing negative to say about her personally. It just seems a little disingenuous. It seems very... Uh, pandering yeah. to come out now and say, well, I disagreed with all the things that uh, Holcomb had to say, yet I still give him an A, and, oh, by the way, I'm running for the governor now. Here's the other thing that she said, and I don't ever want to hear from anybody at 200 West Washington ever again that I'm a shock jock or just looking for ratings or, you know, I'm only in this for publicity, and that she admitted that the government is too big, the budget has grown a ridiculous amount. The taxes are too high. The government is too inefficient. All of the things that I've been saying for seven years, she said, there is no one more connected to the establishment than Suzanne Crouch. And she admitted the exact things that I've been talking about on this radio station for seven years. So I don't want to ever hear again that I'm just making this up. I'm just doing this for ratings. I'm just doing this for publicity because the lieutenant governor said the exact same thing I've been saying. Don't you love it when people who have no idea who we are call shock jocks? (laughs) 
Like, <laughs> Nige and I get that all the time. Your uh, your boyfriend, Adam Wren, uh, calls Nige and I shock jocks all the time, even though we've never shockingly outed somebody's sexual assault history like Wren did, allegedly. But uh, that's neither here nor there. But I will say this, and again, this is very self-serving. I know this, but I said it on your program early today when I went on with you and Casey. This is what I love about WIBC, because the people who don't know anything about us, they just scream from the mountaintop, that's the Republican channel, that's the conservative channel. If you listen to any of the programs we have on this station, and they're all very different, we go after Republicans too. Yep. To be honest, I think we may be harder on Republicans than we are on Democrats, with the exception maybe being Joe Biden, because he shakes hands with the air and falls down all the time. Yeah, and that's why we're so popular, and, that's, and it kills people, especially those people down the street from us who hate us, because we are the objector, we are the voice, we are the resistance, and- you and I have joked about this for years, and it's kind of our slogan now. We hate all of these people equally. Right. I mean, we do it. I don't. I, they're all failures. And she admitted that the the Republican supermajority rule has produced bigger government, higher taxes, less efficient and unaccountable government. She said that her words, and we are right, and that's why people like us. And they down the street from us hate that because they know people listen to these programs, and that's why the station is a success. I mean, you think about what's happened in the last couple of months, last couple of years here at WIBC. Today, you bring Suzanne Crouch on. She comes in studio. You tell her right to her face you disagree with a lot of things. That's awesome. Yesterday on our program, Mike Braun calls in from the Senate floor right after he votes on this no good, rotten, horrible, quote unquote, budget bill. Tony Katz on his program, he has uh, Sparts, Representative Sparts come on and say, you know what? Guess who's back? I'm pulling a Michael Jordan. I'm back. <laughs> 40 old sports, old 45 sports. Hey, real quick, I did want to say, though, because we've been tough on her and we should have been tough on her, and some of her answers were ridiculous. And she probably lost a lot more votes than she gained today. But she deserves credit for coming in because there's a lot of people who do not have the guts to come in and sit with me for 100%. And so full credit for that. Ryan Mears is not coming in here. Joe Hogsett is not coming in here. We have invited them. It's an open seat. If they want to bring somebody with them, like a wingman, come on in. Don't threaten us with a good time. Yeah. You're absolutely right. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Back with Rob Kendall. We are going off the rails here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. So I think we're on different sides on this. Oh. But I think there is an understanding where both of us are coming from. Yeah. You're somebody that feels like Alejandro Mayorkas. And if Nigel were here, he would do his Lady Gaga. <laughs> Alejandro, Alejandro, Alejandro. Uh, you're somebody that feels like he should not be impeached as to where I think he should. Now, I'm going to tell you my perspective yeah. here, and then I'll give the floor to you. Perfect. I think he has been busted lying to Congress. It's not just because he's bad at his job, which he is, but there's a lot of people who are bad at their job. In April of last year, in a testimony, right there on Capitol Hill, the border is fine. There's nothing to see here. The border is not under siege. There's no problems at all. Now, I'm paraphrasing there, but sure. he says there's no issues at all. But we all see the reports from the CBP. We see the reports from these border states. It's not fine. As a matter of fact, even Democrats are saying that it's not fine right now. If people like us have access to these reports, I would hope the DHS secretary does, too. Too, which means he lied, just bald-faced lied to Congress. And I'm old enough to remember when Bill Clinton did that, he got impeached. Yeah, here's the problem. 
I am looking for a high crime and a misdemeanor case to be made. Is Bill- lying to Congress not a high crime or misdemeanor? But they haven't made the case for it. Do you have a, a single? Has have you, are you aware of a single solitary piece of evidence they presented in these impeachment hearings? Well, see, this is the question I have. Why isn't the border report considered a piece of evidence? Because it clearly shows the border is not fine. You told us it's fine. I, but this is my point, though, is you cannot we, look. take the Trump impeachments out of the equation, because, those, of course, were completely ridiculous and no merit to either one of them. The Clinton impeachment, that process, Ken Starr, went on for years, and there was ironclad evidence that Bill Clinton was not impeached for an affair. He was not impeached for having sex with an intern. He was, he was lying to Congress. He was lying to Congress. There was ironclad evidence. Now, the Senate did Senate stuff and didn't convict him. But the, you all, everybody knew. Everybody had him on tape lying. You could say, here, he lied. Boom. There you go. I'm not aware of any sort of public evidentiary display to the to to society on here's what we're impeaching him for. Give me the stuff so you have. Here's the charge. Here's what we're going against. Here's what we have. They're just rushing to do this because he sucks at the border. That's what the public thinks, and right. that that doesn't go through the process for me. And we got about 30 seconds left here, but my counter to that is okay. He lied under oath. Mayorkas has done the same thing. Yeah, but if you go to a jury trial. If you're accused of something, they have to present the actual evidence. They can't just go, everybody knows what you did. Everybody knows you lied. No, it's, I've got the audio. We play it. He said it. You have to lay it out in a court of law. That's how this works. I mean, it's just like we're just rushing through it. So procedurally, because they have not brought forth the legal stuff needed, that's why he shouldn't be impeached. But you see where I'm coming from. He lied to Congress. I agree, but the Republicans could also fix this by simply choking off the money, and they want to use this as a as a cover. And I still think you're beautiful, even though we disagree on this. <laughs> What's coming up on the Kendall and Casey uh, show? Governor candidate number two, Eric Doden, will be with us tomorrow. He is very upset about the Leap District. And you know, Hammer, any person who rips on Holcomb goes right to the front <laughs> of the line on our show. Special thanks to Garage Stores of Indianapolis. He is off the rails. That's Rob Kendall. This is the Hammer and Nigel show.